Welcome to the Mahogany Tower, where we talk about science, we talk about faith, and we talk about sociocultural identity. Um, so it's March this month, which, I mean, I guess that means it was February last month. The days really run together at this point. So it's February last month. February, we have um, Valentine's Day. We also have Black History Month. So I decided to do, you know, some seasonal content. I love doing seasonal content. Uh, so I did a series on colorblind racism and Christian dating. Man, what a much-needed conversation. Um, you know I'm West African. I like to keep it spicy, right? And uh, when you're talking about colorblind racism and Christian dating, you definitely got to keep it spicy. So if you haven't listened to that, check it out, because uh, even though I probably don't know a ton about you, I think that series is right up your alley. And even if it's not, I have something for you today because we're talking about is God masculine? And you clicked on this because you feel like this is up your alley. Or maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know, we'll see. Anyway, um, I do a lot of research on gender, right? So I think about gender a lot. Now I think about it from a social identity perspective, but I also think about it a lot from a cultural perspective because we know masculinity and femininity are culturally constructed. That basically means society decides what's masculine versus what's feminine. And uh, as it turns out, March is a women's month, right? So the, the, the powers that be have, have decided to make the month of March all about women. So I guess in April, maybe we go back to the patriarchy, but in March, it's all about women. Right? So I've been thinking about, that's sarcasm, by the way. So I've been thinking about gender even more than I usually do. Um, and I guess that kind of led me to our topic for today. So um, there's over 50 references in the Bible to God as our father. Probably much more than that if I did more of an organized search, but... Um, I didn't do that. I kind of did a quick and dirty search. So over 50 references in the Bible to God as our father. Um, now, we also know that God came to earth in the form of a man, right? It says that in John 20, verse 31, Matthew 26, 63 and 64, 2 Peter 1, 17 and 18. So God came to earth as, you know, in the form of a man. Um, and we also know that the church is described as the bride of Christ, not the groom, but the bride, right? So both the incarnation of Christ, that means God coming to the earth in the form of a man, both the incarnation of Christ as well as the imagery of the bride of Christ strongly support and appeal to the notion of God as a paternal figure. Now, although there are people who would strongly disagree with that abridged train of logic, I do think in general, myself included, most people who identify as Christians and even people who identify as non-Christians, would echo those observations. Again, myself included, like God is a paternal figure, and I think the scriptures support that. But here's my question. Is God masculine? And again, I'm not asking if God is a man or a woman. That's a, that's a whole different conversation with, with the, you know, chromosomes and genitalia, all this other stuff. My question is, is God masculine? Now, on the surface, you may think of this question as absolutely absurd, right? 
But I would disagree, especially as a social scientist. And the reason is simple. Throughout history, people have used the nature of God to justify the oppression of groups that, for whatever reason, aren't perceived as reflecting that nature. Now, I'll illustrate that with an example from the past and an example from uh, the present. Now, during the 1600s, European, excuse me, European explorers sailed across the Atlantic, landed on the shores of Africa, and they told the people they met, uh, the people that they met there, the people of Africa, that they're more like Satan because their skin is darker and people from Europe are more like God because their skin is lighter. Subtle, right? But they're appealing to the nature of God. God is light. That's what the Bible says. I have lighter skin. Therefore, I'm more like God. Now, at the time, they felt like it made perfect sense. Now, today, of course, we would describe that as a perverted train of logic for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which has to do with white supremacy, right? But this isn't about just a one-off example from the past. How we think about God's nature also influences things today, too. Another example. Now, in his groundbreaking research on God as a white man, Dr. Peter Roberts, this is a social psychologist, I believe he's at uh, Stanford University. Dr. Peter Roberts investigated how mental schemas of God influence how we view other people. Now, in his work, which includes, uh, I think it's seven experiments with over 1,600 subjects, he found evidence that people of all races and genders who had a mental image of God as a white man viewed white men as better suited for leadership positions than other people in society. In other words, the mental image that we have of God influences who we think will be a good leader. And that has profound implications far beyond the context of religion, Christianity or otherwise. And in case you're, uh, uh, in case you're wondering or in case you're interested, he also found that children in America start to visualize God as a white man as early as seven years old. Now, that's wild for so many reasons. And we don't even have time to get into all the nitty gritty details of that. But... Um, you know, I understand <laughs> I understand the examples that I'm highlighting are a little bit polarizing, trust me. But it doesn't even have to be that dramatic, right? Now, for instance, there's research on, um, you know, the psychology of religion that shows that Christians who think of God as benevolent, right, are more likely to be pro-social, to be helpful, and volunteer to support members of religious outgroups in their time of need. You know, so being helpful to Muslims and being helpful to Mormons and Jehovah Witness and other people, right? Now, on the other hand, Christians who saw God as authoritarian did the exact opposite. In other words, 
Compared to Christians that viewed God as benevolent and generous and helpful and supportive, they were more likely to be helpful to non excuse me, they were more likely to be helpful, uh, they were, my goodness, they were less likely to be helpful to non-Christian religious groups. So in other words, if you saw God as authoritarian, you're less likely to be helpful to people when they need you particularly people of other religious groups, people of other religious traditions. Now, importantly, we know God is both helpful and an authority figure. But whether Christians thought of God as more of one versus the other actually influenced their attitudes and behaviors in fairly meaningful ways even to the extent of helping people that are unaffiliated with their religious group during a time of need. I mean, honestly, that I mean, it doesn't really reflect well of Christianity. But again, I think, I, I think this work, this research, it really has me thinking, right? Suffice to say, what we think about God, the nature of God, whether or not he's masculine or otherwise, like these things aren't trivial questions. What we think about God's nature and how we think about God's nature matter. So I'll return to my question. Is God masculine? Well, it's complicated. Masculinity refers to both uh, traits and behaviors that are iconic and signature of men. But as I mentioned before, masculinity is culturally constructed, right? By that I mean society, people, determine what is and is not masculine. When something is culturally constructed, it doesn't exist in a rigid system like the laws of nature, right? That's why this conversation is different from well, let me not say what I was going to say. Anyway, when something is culturally constructed, it doesn't exist in a rigid system like the laws of nature, right? So we're talking about um, something that's created by people, like people created the notion of femininity and masculinity, um, and that's what makes it socially constructed. Now, as you could imagine, even though the notion of masculinity is perhaps as old as mankind itself, the ways we've thought about masculinity have changed slightly over the course of human existence. Times change, right? And to some degree, culture, including masculinity, reflects that on some level. But there's more. The fact that masculinity is culturally constructed means that it varies slightly depending on the cultural context in question. Now, for instance, there's research showing that working class men and upper class men construct masculinity in slightly different ways. Now, whereas upper class men tend to construct masculinity more based on things like education and income and professional achievement, success, not surprisingly, working class men have great difficulty fitting those kind of definitions of masculinity. So instead, working class men tend to take uh, more of a macho man approach 
where they emphasize physical strength and, and endurance, being excellent at handiwork and, you know, even things like sexual prowess, right? Now, obviously, there's lots of nuance with this, but psychologists and sociologists who study masculinity generally have uh, very similar findings in this particular respect, on this particular topic, right? So uh, there are class-based differences concerning how men construct masculinity. But that isn't exactly my focus for today. I'm actually more interested in what I describe next. Western constructions of masculinity. Now, there's only a limited body of research in this area, but not surprisingly, how people think about masculinity varies depending on the part of the world that you're in. In Western nations, masculinity and femininity are thought to be opposite extremes of the same spectrum. That is, you can be masculine or feminine. But you can't be both because they're opposite, right? There's overwhelming evidence of this. I mean, it, if it helps you to be convinced, when we do research with men on masculinity and, uh, you know, male gender roles, there's an entire section of the scale that we use that measures something that we call anti-femininity. <laughs> It's literally five or six questions where we ask men about the extent to which they avoid, air quote, feminine traits and behaviors. And without fail, we found that men's responses on that anti-femininity scale, that anti-femininity construct that's part of masculinity, that their responses on that, you know, it's a predictor of all kinds of behaviors. Everything from alcohol use to displays of physical aggression. But I digress. More recently, though, there's been evidence that uh, men in other parts of the world may not conceptualize masculinity uh, necessarily in this manner. Specifically, studies using samples of men in Southeast Asia suggest that highly respected men are seen as possessing both masculine and feminine attributes. Now, in the U.S., on some level, this would be considered pretty out of the ordinary. But other studies on masculinity and femininity in Southeast Asia provide a very similar story. Now, whereas masculinity and femininity were perceived as negatively correlated among men in the U.S., Studies using men in Southeast Asia haven't been able to replicate this pattern. They haven't been able to replicate this relationship. In other words, there's evidence that these men saw masculinity and femininity as completely independent of one another. Masculinity didn't really have anything to do with femininity or the lack thereof, right? This is an interesting idea. Because in such a case, a man could be emotional and stable. He could be restrained and dominant. He could be 
gentle and fierce, right? Now, if you're not catching my point, I'm saying that men could show traits and behaviors that have uh, historically been associated with women. But more importantly, this wouldn't undermine their status as a man in any way. Although for most Western nations, we wouldn't really observe that pattern. Again, because we have the whole anti-femininity thing, right? But back to our question. Is God masculine? The answer is complicated because it's both yes and no. Remember, masculinity is culturally constructed, right? So using a Western definition of masculinity, it is impossible for God to be masculine. I mean, I'll say that again for emphasis. Using a Western definition for masculinity, it is impossible for God to be masculine. The Western definition of masculinity includes anti-femininity, which is a general aversion or avoidance to feminine traits and behaviors. Compassion is not considered a masculine trait or behavior. Empathy is not considered a masculine trait or behavior. Concern for the poor or widows or children. Same story, right? Forgiveness, mercy, take your pick. God possesses many, many attributes that would not fit Western definitions of masculinity. And because part of Western masculinity is the absence or avoidance of feminine things, the only way that God can be masculine is if you fundamentally change the nature of who God is. In other words, you ignore all the things I just listed and you instead focus only on, you know, the authoritarian aspects of God, right? And you can kind of see my notes on God is authoritarian or God is benevolent. You know, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. The only way that it would be possible for God to be masculine is if we use a conceptual, excuse me, a conceptualization of masculinity um, that seems more common among men in Southeast Asia, right? Now, in such a case, a paternal figure could possess both masculine and feminine characteristics simultaneously. But in that sense, though, that would mean that God isn't more masculine than he is feminine or vice versa, because that would suggest that there are some attributes of God's nature, you know, for instance, mercy, that are somehow emphasized more than other aspects of God's nature, for instance, judgment. And from what I can tell, there isn't really a strong biblical precedent for that. I mean, God has lots of different attributes, and those things in their totality, collectively, represent who God is. But it's not like some of those are necessarily more important than others, right? But hypothetically, if there was one that was, maybe it'd be love. 
I mean, after all, the Bible says you can sum up all the commandments with just two. Love God and love your neighbor, right? So that's Matthew 20, uh, 22, verses 36 through 40. Now, if we take that angle, the is God masculine question largely depends on how loving your neighbor is happening, right? If loving your neighbor involves a heroic act, like dying on a cross, John 3.16, maybe that would be considered more masculine, right? Because it involves a heroic act. But if loving your neighbor involves an act of service, like washing feet, you know, we see Jesus do that in John 13, 1 through 17, and then we see a woman do that in Luke 7, verses 36 through 50, is the story of the sinful woman. But if, if loving your neighbor involves an act of service like washing feet, maybe that would be considered more feminine. Now, all that to say, yes, God is masculine if we pivot from a Western definition. But even then, only sort of, because he's just as feminine as he is masculine, right? To me personally, that's where I've landed. Even though God is described as this paternal figure, and there are countless metaphors and themes in the scripture that appeal to his paternal nature, his nature is perfect, excuse me, his nature is a perfect balance of what we would culturally perceive as both feminine and masculine traits and behaviors. I find this to be consistent with scriptures, right? That tell us we're made in the image of God. We see that in Genesis 1, verse 27, Genesis 5, verse 1 and 2, Genesis 9, verse 6. It would probably be a little unusual to say that every person, man and woman, throughout the course of human existence was made in the image of God. But... God is more masculine than he is feminine. I mean, if people were made in the image of God, and we should note that humans are the only thing in creation described as being made in the image of God. But if people are made in the image of God, then to me, that means both men and re women reflect who he is. But more importantly, they both equally reflect who he is. The masculine aspects of his nature are not more or less prominent or important than the feminine ones. And I use those terms loosely based on the discussions that we've been having, you know, throughout. I don't think that takes away from God being described as a paternal figure in the scriptures, right? Because I think, you know, the Bible is pretty consistent in that, in that respect. But as far as his nature is concerned, his qualities are accurately described by both feminine, excuse me, by both feminine and masculine traits. Now, you may see this entire exercise as trivial. But again, I would beg to disagree. How we see God matters. I mean, I still have lot I mean, I still have lots of thoughts, but let me just try and focus on my major takeaway. And I'm talking to the guys on this one. Gentlemen, you cannot fully reflect the nature of God if you're subscribing to Western definitions of masculinity. Seriously, it is literally 
impossible to do that because they're fundamentally incompatible with one another. I mean, we already talked about this. Part of Western masculinity is an aversion and avoidance of feminine traits and behaviors. And if that's how you see being a man, there are lots of aspects of God's nature and God's character that you'll never understand, much less be able to actually live out, right? Now, based on what we know about Jesus, it's unlikely he would have measured up to Western definitions of masculinity. And yet, he's the greatest man to ever live. He sets the standard for all of us. If I'm honest, I think Christian women have made way more progress on this than we have. For reasons I don't even have time to get into right now. We're the ones having difficulty getting deep and connecting with God's more, you know, compassionate and empathetic and sensitive side. But I think there's plenty to learn from the things we touched on here. How we think about masculinity probably has a big influence on how we see God and how we live out the faith. And as I've said a number of times already here, God isn't masculine by Western definitions. Leave yourself room to feel, you know, get in touch with your emotions, learn how to connect and empathize with others, particularly those you're close to or people who are suffering. Figure out how to show, uh, you know, people you love in a, in a, excuse me, figure out how to show you love people in a way that goes, be, <laughs> goes beyond paying a bill or spending money. Dig deep, right? Femininity is not the enemy of masculinity, nor is it the opposite. Um, I think this in part reflects a toxic and problematic system of thinking, dare I even say toxic masculinity. Um, you know, but we can, we can save that for another day. That's all I got for today. Um, you know, weigh in with your thoughts, 